Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. I'm very sleepy, so I'm trying to be pumped. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm, I promised I wouldn't sing, but I want to wish you a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Jocelyn. Thank you, and thank you for not singing. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave that to Discord, and uh, I saw there was a lot of Twitter shoutouts, so I think... Yes, everyone's been quite wonderful. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm sorry you're sleepy. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay, considering I just had my shot. I thought I would be sleepy, but... I had like a power nap this afternoon and smart. We'll see how it goes. I did not power nap. And I like, I've been really, really, really stressed about school and it all kind of came to a head like this morning. And so like now all of that's like over and dealt with. And I think my whole body just kind of relaxed. And I went, Oh, I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that happened to me as well. I I had finished a, uh, I had finished a big project and I was just like, it's been bothering me for, uh, like the last week and uh and finally wrapped it up and i'm like you know what now is the time for rest and uh, yeah exactly ryan are we getting old <laughs> i mean i feel like this is just kind of an existential question that i ask myself on my birthday every year anyway but <laughs> <laughs> well, i feel like i'm really feeling my age this year <laughs> if it helps um we age every day every sec we're aging as we ryan, podcast right now that is not helping oh it's not helping um <laughs> no it's not you are as young as uh you'll ever be (laughs) no no you're going in the wrong direction um you know what you know what'll make you you know what'll make you feel young again is playing skyward sword uh with motion controls (laughs) just i need a second i gotta make me feel really old because we're also going to talk about mass effect 2 tonight where it's like we're now at the point of age where games that we fondly remember from our early 20s are being remade (laughs) oh well sure yeah no that's a good point actually um (laughs) you know all we need is a skyrim remake and we're set Oh my god. I'm actually shocked that they haven't remade it yet, <laughs> considering all the platforms they've ported it to. Uh, you would think that Skyrim 2.0, I guess, would be uh, top of the list. They know it would sell. But anyways, that's mm-hmm. a whole other conversation for a different day. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually... so. I will admit, I haven't been watching the Skyward Sword release date as closely as I've been watching the release date for those Joy-Cons, because Ryan, <laughs> I want them so badly. <laughs> yeah. I like I barely ever even play the Switch in like handheld mode, and I never play with the Joy-Cons. I play all the time with the Pro Controller, but I just want them. Like, I need them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I have the original Switch with the... um like disconnect issue between the switch and the left joy con like that's the batch i bought so i have a real reason to need replacement joy cons but every time i look at those i'm just like i need them and i want them now and i like i i understand that as a zelda fan they are milking me for all of my dollars but also i'm old now and i have disposable income therefore i want them i need them right now (laughs) 
I I said to Ashley, like, prepare, uh, because Friday, there will be a couple packages arriving, and I have time to stare at uh, an Amiibo and a set of Joy-Cons that I might not use. Wait, you got the Joy-Cons? Oh, yeah. I was able to order them. I feel like I missed this, because I've been trying to order them for months, and they're just, like, sold out everywhere. (laughs) They're harder for me to find than the PS5 was six months ago. (laughs) Like... Anyone who wanted a PS5, it took me like 24 hours and I found one. Like, But these stupid Joy-Cons and Nintendo and their scarcity. And I'm like, oh, they're just nowhere. Yeah, they they went up uh, for pre-order and then they quickly sold out. And I have not seen. Yeah, they were restocks. like up and down in like two minutes. And there's yeah. been no other. There's been no restocks as far as I know. But yeah, they're coming out on Friday. So I'm hoping that somebody will have stock somewhere on Friday. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, I would keep an eye out definitely on Friday. I think the Nintendo collector's editions and stuff have been hard to come by. Uh, I know with Metroid Dread, there's a collector's edition and that one quickly sold out as well. And I th- I think it's just, it's funny, like with these Joy-Cons, you think they would have made a little bit more than they did considering this is kind of the thing we're getting for zelda and if you are a zelda fan but not a skyward sword fan you could buy the joy cons and say hey i'm celebrating as opposed to you know skyward sword it has its issues i will for sure admit that um but you know it it sounds like they've done a lot of work i'm looking forward to trying i'm looking forward to us trying it again and, and seeing if they've they've really addressed the issues but um i kind of feel like i have to use motion control at least for the, the first little bit <laughs> to use those joy cons because <laughs> they were like i think they're 120 bucks like they're expensive i know and i'm thinking of getting them off ebay if i can't get them anywhere <laughs> else <laughs> they do look really cool it's the worst honestly i'm just i'm so i'm just so sad that i might be <laughs> you know playing into the reseller market <laughs> well, you know what? I, I would say definitely Friday. Keep an eye out for stock. You could also try, you know, calling your local, you know, EB or whatever. They might have, I would think if anyone's going to have local stock, it would be uh, Electronic Boutique. But uh, yeah, them or maybe Toys R Us. That's where I got the Switch originally. Hmm. Um, yeah. Or sometimes Best Buy. I've had luck with Best Buy. But uh, anyways, yeah. So that's that's what my like Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week is. It's just like me sitting there refreshing web pages, waiting for restocks on those things. Uh, I'm excited. And honestly, I am also excited about just Skyward Sword in general because I didn't get very far into that game. It is, I think, probably the only Zelda I've never finished. Um, And they've apparently, according to early reviews, they've done a pretty good job of making it playable on the pro controller without having to use any sort of motion control to the point that I've seen reviews that are like, well, Nintendo just proved we didn't need an entire generation of motion control. Like, (laughs) so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how that kind of, um, game designed for motion control that then now has been mapped to not need it, how that actually ends up um, playing out and feeling in the real world. So I'm, I'm excited about the Skyward Sword remake, honestly. Yeah, no, it, it looks good. I think for me, um, the fact that they've addressed the repeating tutorials and uh, they've obviously bumped the visuals up to be HD. I was reading a review, I guess the original Wii version was 480p 30 frames per second. 
<laughs> which is not great. <laughs> Again, we just, Ryan, we shouldn't think about that. And honestly, I can remember the TV that I, w- that I had, like, in my apartment and stuff when I was, like, playing this and, like, Wind Waker and all the rest of it. And I'm like, man... Uh, it, was, it was even four by three. It wasn't even widescreen. And it was like an, a super old one with the, I can't even remember what they were called, but the ones that had like the big old butt on the back, <laughs> not like a flat screen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I do. CRTs. You know those big old butt TVs. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I think there was an acronym. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Old TVs <laughs> is what we call big them. Big old butt TVs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to playing that uh, on an HD console. I think that it it's funny the thing it's the last Zelda game in the 3D sort of series that has not been remade. Like they've remade pretty much every Zelda game outside of like the first, you know, the 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 first few sort of 2D ones, right? Like we've got yeah. we've even got a remake of Link's Awakening. So they're kind of running out of <laughs> Zelda games to remake. Um, maybe they'll just have to give us a new one <laughs> yeah eventually i think they're working on one uh hopefully next year um that or they could patch uh weapon breaking out of breath of the wild probably solve a lot of issues but mm-hmm. i don't i don't see that i we'll see we'll we'll see what nintendo does with with the zelda franchise but i i know there was a lot of like talk uh in our first year of this show about skyward sword and I'm I'm interested to see how uh, the update does 10 years later. So uh, we will see next week, I guess. I was going to say, yeah, you guys will have to tune in next week to see our, our first initial thoughts on that. But um, you've actually finished up. You're two thirds of the way through the trilogy, dude. I know. Yes. Uh, Mass You're Effect. You're so much further than me, by the way. Like, <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all I've been playing, really. Like, it's it's just it keeps pulling me back in and i i wanted to finish mass effect one just due to the fact of i know it was going to be the toughest to get through uh from a gameplay standpoint i think that's my problem is i kind of like stalled out a little bit on mass effect one and i want to finish it because i didn't finish it the first time around so i like i want to get there and i think i'm close i just kind of like i just keep looking at it and going eh, okay (laughs) and it's like it's not that it's bad it's not that the game is bad or the story is bad or anything like that it's just um shows its age a little bit i guess because it is it's just that much older than the other two that like it not that it doesn't stand up to to modern gaming i don't maybe my attention span is just shorter or i need more explodey things or i don't know i don't know what it is but for whatever reason i've just kind of stalled stalled out a little bit on mass effect one but um i do want to get back to it and i do want to play through it and now that you've finished two i feel like i like have to get at it so (laughs) i've fallen so far behind (laughs) yeah well the thing is with mass effect one i i could totally understand sort of hitting that that wall and then obviously being we're going to talk about another game tonight that you're playing like not being distracted but having other games to play and i think that for me was you know mass effect is going to be the game i i sort of play when i'm not playing other stuff just i'm always coming back to that because it because it's also it's like a comfort video game for me because it reminds me of uh, it, well, it's a trilogy that simpler I simpler times. Yeah, simpler <laughs> times. You know when when mini games were mashing A B X Y. Ah, remember the days? Uh, that was actually really annoying. But um, it's 
it's one of those things where I love that story and I love the characters and Mass Effect 1's nice because you don't really have to worry about everyone dying. It's kind of just like it's a it's kind of an easy story to swallow because there's only like one really big bad guy. It's a it's a powerful bad guy, but from a story perspective, I've I've finished Mass Effect 2 and that one's a little, little more dire like, you know, oh, this mm-hmm. weird alien race is like kidnapping all these humans and 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 turning them into goop and and robot <laughs> bad guys, I think. And uh it's it's a little more, you know, oof, this is not great, but still we're the we're the the Normandy crew. We're going to survive. It'll be great. And, you know, I survived. Everyone, if you do all the missions and you do them in the right order, essentially as soon as they pop up, um, they they very clearly, you know, telegraph, you know, oh, this is the final mission coming up. Maybe don't do this until everyone's good to go, you know, like hint, hint to the loyalty missions. Um, but having started Mass Effect 3, it, it quickly changes to, nah, the, the galaxy is on fire. <laughs> Yeah, which which I mean, and I know like we're harping on on old content at this point, but I mean, like that was that was what really got me is I came off of Mass Effect 2 pretty much hot into Mass Effect 3 because I played 2 specifically to get ready for 3 and that like ramp up of like the stakes it's like palpable it's very obvious and and they really like shove it in your face to the point that it's like oh my god like i need to do all of this stuff right now like i can't take my time i need to like rush 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 because the galaxy is in peril like which there isn't really that sense of rush 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 in the first one because like the um the threat is so minor or like hidden like you've basically got a rogue agent and and he's doing some stuff and it's kind of weird and you know it's got some some old first ones type stuff going on and you know you're not really sure what's happening but in the end like he's he's part of like he's a specter right he's part of the council and you know like it's a very known quantity i guess or like known entity so it's not as scary or urgent as like, oh my God, an entire new race of machines has shown up and they're going to wipe the galaxy like they did, you know, 10,000 years ago. So yeah, there's no sense of urgency or less of a sense of urgency in the first one. Mm-hmm. Now in the second one, they do apply that pressure, but it does it still feels as though... Well, it's like, it's the difference between like applying the pressure, but you're still winning versus applying the pressure and you're losing badly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mass Effect 3 very much feels like one false move, even though it's it's a, it's a, it's a setup of systems that really is trying to tell you to go fast, yet really they added a whole piece of DLC that is just you partying with all of your crew. And <laughs> really, um, and, and, you know, in mass at the start of mass effect 3 i i think it's also fun to play through all three of these games years after launch obviously the upgrades to the visuals and the gameplay have been really nice but being away from that launch hype and the lack of additional dlc which let's face it especially with mass effect 3 without that dlc that is cutting room floor stuff that needed to be in that game to kind of add to what was going on like i i just finished the you know the prothean mission where you you get i think it's javik and yeah playing that game without that character it just it kind of removes a lot of the extra lore that 
a, a fan. Yeah, it was we really weird to me that that was that that was DLC and not just main game for sure. Yeah, it launched with it too. It was kind of like peak EA, and I think Bioware tried to cover, like not cover it up, but address it by saying, "Well, people were annoyed with the way we did DLC companions in the second game because they were very different. They were sort of like added in, and it was more about having a unique." sort of set of powers as opposed to adding story you know you could talk to them and get some one-liners and they'd react to what's happening but you couldn't really engage with them like the other crewmates and i think they tried to address that with this dlc is like okay what we'll do is we'll we'll build a dlc character that has that, that, that has is a everything. backstory and is yeah. interesting and yeah and you can engage and they, with they them. went too far <laughs> yeah but then they launched the game with it and it, it clearly yeah. feels like well guys if you launched it it's not really uh, anyways like there's there's issues like that that aren't present in this game playing it now right because like the the remaster is is everything right there yeah. is no pay extra <laughs> exactly there's everything in there and really you know having played through you know mass effect one and going into two and then going into three i really appreciated like all the content being available because you do get that sense of this complete story told in three parts. And there's not many games these days that, that I can think of that truly offer that experience. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there are obviously games told in segmented parts over the course of the last, you know, uh, three decades or whatever but this is an instance of, of a... <laughs> are you trying to set me up for warcraft <laughs> yeah well maybe i mean that that is definitely an example but i think that with mass effect it's like it's it's a it's a good example of a of a story told in three parts where it's set up really well and the, and the world building is done really well and yeah i know and this is the other thing like being away from the ending conversation is also nice because at the end of the day like the ending is what it is and i think it I think looking back, we probably were worried way too much about it. Um, but I'm I'm really excited to be playing through it, and I'm, I've I've been playing through Mass Effect Three, and it, of course it's weird. It's a little jarring to go from two to three, like you've you're going from one to two because they change a lot of stuff. You yeah, know, those change... tech jumps are a big thing. Yeah, there's some like layout changes to the Normandy, which you're constantly moving through. And you, I felt once I actually got used to it, it's like starting a new game, and it's like oh no, like. You can't go down that hallway anymore. We put a bunch of boxes in front of it. <laughs> and uh, you got to walk through this scanner every time, which I remember on the 360 was a pain in the butt because it was hiding a load. But obviously yeah. with uh, the Series X, it's just like, oh, it's just a quick scan and you're through. But they still hold you back just a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed my time with Mass Effect 2. I think if you make your way through Mass Effect 1, and yes, it the gameplay is a bit of a slog, but the story that is there in one truly is worth experiencing, especially when you get to two and realize all the payoff of, you know, all that world building, all that, all those characters they built up. And it is jarring into like, I forgot how weird it was where you're resurrected by Cerberus, which is set up in the first one. There was DLC added or patched content um, in one that basically set Cerberus up as a really bad organization then all of a sudden you're working with them in two, you've been, you're killed and resurrected. And, you know, a lot of the, the initial squad mates are Cerberus operatives. And 
that's really jarring, you know, uh, going straight from one to two. I mean, maybe at the time with that two-year time jump, you were just happy to be playing Mass Effect again, but I, f- I found it pretty jarring. But you get over it pretty quick because you can play Shepard off as like, nah, they're working for me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as much as as much as that really doesn't make a lot of sense. But you still are you you still are Shepard. You're running around. You're making all these decisions yourself and and stuff. But uh, I I loved every minute of it. I played pretty much constantly until I got to um, the final mission, which I was able to get through with no one dying. And, you know, thinking back, I remember being so stressed going into that mission and that stress, you know, flooded back playing it again. But when you really sit down and try to pay attention to it, like it's, it's pretty hard to, if you've done, obviously if you've done the work ahead of time to get your characters loyal and stuff, like you can go into it, and as long as you're not—I I was talking to to Lou about this. Um, as long as you don't make really poor decisions, like you know, when they say, "Oh, we need a strong biotic to do this," and you pick someone who isn't a biotic, like clearly they're going to fail, and, and and you'll you'll have some casualties. But like, yeah. as long as you pick, <laughs> you know, along the lines, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it worked out quite well. I made it through, and. Um, although I wanted to make a different choice and even though stupid Ryan brain, I know how three plays out. <laughs> Cerberus are the, are the indeed bad guys again. And at the end of two, it's like, uh, you can choose to destroy the collector base or, you know, pre- you know, destroy all the collectors and preserve the base. I chose to preserve the base and give it to Cerberus. And why? <laughs> I, I think Garrus said something like, ah, oh, it'd be terrible for all that loss to, you know, to amount to nothing and i'm like yeah garris he's a weird i remember garris being more friendly but he's actually kind of i i remember him being more on my side but more of the time i'm playing he's kind of like he's against he, he's against a lot of stuff that i normally would pick so he's basically saying mm-hmm. like you know millions of humans died for this place like we should probably keep it intact and and study what's going on here as opposed to just destroying it and i'm like okay yeah let's give it to cerberus and then after i finish everyone tells me it's a bad idea except for garris and uh, and then I realized, wait, in three, Cerberus are the bad guys. So I quickly Google, like, did I screw up my Mass Effect three playthrough <laughs> because I gave by giving the base over <laughs> to the to the bad guys, right? And uh, yeah. sh- sure enough, um, this is probably going to be more of a critique of Mass Effect three. You go to the, you know, you find like a like a message board or whatever, and people are someone asked the exact same question. And someone says, oh, no, it doesn't matter. Like, if you destroy the base, Cerberus gets the heart of the human Reaper. And if you keep the base intact, Cerberus gets the head of the human Reaper. But either way, you get the you get like maybe 10 less um, war assets by destroying the base. And it's like, oh, so you mean our choices didn't amount to anything? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> you know, obviously there are choices, but. Yeah, I feel like in my first playthrough of Mass Effect 2 that I, like, gave them the head or something. Yeah, so that would be keeping the base. In. And But that makes sense. In in the context of things, like, clearly Mass Effect 2 ends with there being, you know, a bit, some friction between Cerberus and Shepard and the Normandy, but, like, not to the extent that you discover in 3 when literally in the first five hours you discover, oh, these Cerberus soldiers have been indoctrinated. Like, they've got the look of sort of partial husk you know yeah and that again like waiting two years to play it it's like oh well in hindsight i probably shouldn't have made that decision but you know silly me is like i'm gonna do something different (laughs) when i know what's happening anyways it was just one of those like ryan moments and um 
Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I, I was really happy to uh, play the, the Liara DLC with the Shadow Broker stuff. I love the way Bioware di- has done sort of epilogue DLC for a lot of their games. And uh, that is probably one of the best ones they've done, maybe behind the one they did for Inquisition, uh, Dragon Age. But yeah, like it's that DLC, all their DLC that they did was really good, um, especially Shadow, uh, Shadow Broker stuff. Um, but I am looking forward to playing through Mass Effect 3, but I, I think I will end up taking this one a little slower because as I said, it's it's a little more dire. So it's not, for me, not quite as fun. I'm looking forward to Skyward Sword because I could really use some like, you know, positivity. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not have a <laughs> bunch of Reapers and just blah. And, like, Fair. <laughs> I think there's literally like just so much death in Mass Effect 3 and the numbers are staggering as, as compared to like previous entries. But yeah, it... It is by far the superior gameplay wise for sure. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about it and hopefully I get caught up. I'm yes. I'm feeling like such a slacker right now, but you're right. It is partly because uh, uh kind of unexpectedly, at least unexpectedly to me, uh World of Warcraft released 9.1, which is the uh shall we say highly anticipated first patch to the Shadowlands. Uh so Shadowlands launched last November. <laughs> I'm like yeah. blanking what now. Was it November. December? Yeah. I think it was November. I'm g- I should have looked this up, but I'm like, I'm 99% sure that it was in November. When did Shadow? This is great <laughs> <good>. radio. <laughs> Everyone else is Googling it too. November 23rd. They... I knew oh, it. it was November. Okay. For some reason I felt like so... I got delayed. Yeah, so, well, what got delayed was (laughs) 9.1, the first patch. So, although, yeah, Shadowlands did also get delayed. It was originally going to release in October, but got delayed a month till November. So, there was a delay that happened, and then... The patch, although I don't know if you can call it delayed if we never got an original release date, but patch 9.1 is definitely the longest patch, like the uh, most amount of time between a 0.0 launch patch and a 0.1 like next new content patch in the entirety of World of Warcraft's history. So um, they kind of lost a lot of momentum with the release of Shadowlands because when Shadowlands launched, it was better received than its predecessor, um, Battle for Azeroth. I totally blanked on that name because it was forget it but uh <laughs> basically they kind of were were coming off a little bit of a lull not a lot of people like the story there were a lot of problems with um like the base game systems and stuff that they put in bfa so shadowlands came out and they're like death knight things uh bulvar the lich king's back and we've got sylvanas and she's the big bad guy and you know like they had a lot of like nostalgia moments because the shadowlands is also like the realm of death so that gave them the opportunity to go and explore a lot of characters that had died or like a kind of follow a lot of like hanging story threads that they had from a lot of different expansions particularly wrath of the lich king because a lot of people died in wrath of the lich king and also died and got brought back as zombies and there's a whole bunch of like questions asked and answered about like the forsaken and and all that kind of stuff so like there's there's a lot of um i guess moments in warcraft history involving death or the power of death that are looked upon 
I guess, fondly in that, like, not necessarily like people like when their favorite characters die, but it's like they've done it in interesting ways over the years and getting to revisit those characters through the realm of death and seeing what happened to them and that it wasn't just like, oh, they died and that's the end of their story, that they've had this whole other life in this realm created based on the way they lived their life. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it was a, an interesting concept for them to explore. So there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of good feelings, I think, on the launch of Shadowlands. The uh, the mechanics were a little bit better than in Battle for Azeroth. People were happier with the systems, though there were still problems. Um, overall, it was well-received. And then they had this big lull. And the lull is, like, pandemic-based. Like, you can give them that little asterisk of, like, you know, 2020. But... The problem with that is that, like, yes, everything got delayed, everything was pushed back, but, like, it kills your momentum, right? Regardless of the reason. And I think that that's a lot of what happened here. And I think that because they had to re- um, to push back the release of the actual expansion and then the patch, I guess, was delayed. Like, I really, because we never got original release date, I don't really know what to, like, what to call it. I don't know if it's actually a delay. Like, it wasn't actually pushed back because they never gave us a date in the first place. But, like, yeah, took a long time to come out. And that, like, lull, that dip in momentum, that lack of content, I think really made the expectations of 9.1 that much higher even because people were like, oh, my God, like more Shadowlands content. Like, yeah, this is going to be great. We've wait- waited so long. It's going to be huge. And like there's stuff, but it's not huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like if you aren't, I think, um, actively engaging in the gear systems and trying to push really high level end game content, I don't think there's anything for you to do right now. <laughs> and that's not great a couple of weeks after the patch launches. Like, there's a lot of different systems with a lot of different currencies, and you need all of those different currencies. And, I mean, it's I think there's, like, five or six that were introduced in this patch. Like, it's ridiculous. So you need all of those different currencies that all come from different um, activities brought together to get yourself the best gear. But if you don't care what your gear is, then you've got, they did launch the mega dungeon. So that's new. And the mega dungeons um, they've done them since I think Legion. So Legion introduced us to Karazhan. It was the, the kind of remade, redone, reimagined Karazhan. And it was a, a 10 boss dungeon. They did it again in Battle for Azeroth uh, with Mechagon. So Mechagon was like an island with a dungeon in the middle. And then the dungeon in the middle had, again, I can't remember if it was nine or 10 bosses. Might have been nine bosses. I think there were four outside and five inside. Um, and so in the first season that it releases, you get these like big epic dungeons where. The bosses are supposed to be really challenging. They've got a lot of mechanics. It's meant to feel like a raid in terms of like challenge and difficulty and coordination, but meant for a five-man group, like scaled down to a five-man group. So 
they've been good in the past and I haven't made it all the way through the mega dungeon that launched in 9.1, which is called Tazavesh. I think that's it. Tazavesh. Tazavesh. Anyways, it's the broker city. So the whole idea is it's like you're walking through this like city slash marketplace and the brokers are these. Do you remember the ethereals? They were from like Burning Crusade and um, through to I think that they showed up in Legion. They kind of looked like um, they were. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Kind of like mummies, but with light inside. Yep. That's it. Yeah, I was going to say wisps with band-aids or something. (laughs) Yeah. Wisps with band-aids. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So brokers are kind of like ethereals 2.0. So they're they're kind of these like almost robot looking um, entities, but then they have like a kind of like wispy spirit, smoky looking thing that is them. It's like it's like as if a wisp is wearing armor (laughs) almost. Hmm. So it just it feels like ethereals reimagined basically. And they have a similar function where like, they're the ones in the Shadowlands that are finding hard-to-find objects. They're interested in, like, antiquities and, and all that kind of stuff. Like they, they're basically Shadowlands' version of Ethereals. And they have a fancy market city called Tazavesh, and that's what they've turned into a mega dungeon. But you can't actually go to Tazavesh and interact with it in any kind of way. It's not a new zone. It's only a dungeon. So you take like a flight path to get there and then it drops you off at the at the entrance to the dungeon and that's all. So the only like new zone that they added is a new and fairly small section of the Maw, which is the like the jailer's realm. So it was one of the five original zones that launched with Shadowlands. And so the new area called Corthia is just an extension of that, which that's like my probably one of my biggest pet peeves outside of all of the currencies of this expansion is like when Shadowlands launched, it really felt like there was a zone for everybody. They had like the the gothic, like castle vampire vibes of Revendreth. They had the like fairies and glitter and like druidy stuff going on in Ardenweald, which is the zone that I loved. Everything was all blue and purple and pink and, and very like very cool looking. Then there was like Bastion, which is more of like a blue and silver and gold and very like rich and regal looking. And, and everybody in Bastion has these big white, like angel wings. Like it was, it's very like, traditional Christian heavenly vibes. Mm. And then they had Maldraxxus that was all like um, more along the lines of like abominations and skeletons and and like that kind of deathy stuff. So there, they really felt like they had. And then there was the Maw that was just like a whole bunch of um, like black and gray stone with some fire, like very um, apocalypse hellscape type stuff. Uh, but very like kind of bland. I mean, it's it was meant to be a place that is very bland. <laughs> and this patch in 9.1, because we're taking the fight to the jailer, kind of it happens in the Maw. The raid is in the Maw and the raid is in a very gray and black um, 
like area all of the jailer's powers like his his powers are all gray and black and smoky and so like everything in the raid and everything in the new zone it's all part of the moss so it's just it's all the same sort of like color scheme of gray and black and and blah hmm. <laughs> and I'm like well it's it's definitely a choice and it's definitely on theme but it's like Shadowlands, the original zones all had like a color palette and an appeal and everything else. And and even in previous expansions, like we had the Mechagon and Najatar in BFA when they released, it's like one was like all mechs and gnomes and goblins and that kind of stuff. And then there was the whole like revealed undersea world that all of a sudden wasn't underwater anymore. So there was lots of colorful corals and you know, like there were parts of different places. And I feel like even within like, say Ice Crown is, a, I think, a good example because it's dealing with the same sort of themes of death. And, you know, ice is all it's all very white and blue and black and gray. But then like they had the whole area where like Freya was and she was like the goddess of like the Emerald Dream and and all the other like nature and all the other stuff. And so she was in like a literal forest that was like inside Ice Crown. So it's like even within the that world there were still pockets of different colors and themes and environments and stuff and to me so far the raid has been very samey with all that same like everybody's ma sworn ma infused which basically means they just like take a character model and paint them like gray and like <laughs> i don't know i just wasn't there something in mists of pandaria that did that with character models the shah, as well? yeah, yeah the shah yeah okay so there's so but I think the difference in Pandaria was that, like, everything around the Shaw was still colorful and full of life, whereas, like, everything infused with the Jailer's power is gray and black, but so is the environment all around it. So it just it feels very, like, washed out, samey and blah to me. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, like, so, like, what I was saying, the one colorful part, the one really interesting part, and we also... Like they are a new race and a new um, kind of society that's just been introduced to us in Shadowlands is the brokers. And the only way to introduce or to interact with them is to go and run them this mega dungeon. You can't even interact with them or their market in any other way, which is uh, which is kind of unfortunate, I think, because Corthia itself is pretty small and I think they could have benefited from making Tazavesh actually a zone that you could explore and and find some some playtime in because like I said if you're not interested in like doing your gear and and gearing up and getting ready for mythic pluses or PVP or raiding or whatever then like there's not really all that much story you can play through the story that they added in 9.1 in a couple hours and uh, it just, unfortunately, if that's not your, like, if raiding isn't your jam, I don't really think that there's anything, like, if you're a returning player, I don't really think you need to come back for 9.1, which is unfortunate. <laughs> and a lot of people, as always, I mean, it's the internet, right? A lot of people are ticked off about the story, so. <laughs> oh, I, I have not paid attention to the story. Is Sylvana still bad? Like, really bad? Or is she, like... So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure if anyone is paying attention to World of Warcraft, they already know because obviously the cinematic gets spoiled like two minutes into the patch launch, right? Like, so 
I don't know if people want spoilers or want me to avoid spoilers, but um, this is your warning. If you're avoiding the end of the Sanctum of Domination raid, then maybe skip ahead like five minutes. This is your final spoiler warning. <laughs> um, so basically what happens with Sylvanas is um, so she and the jailer win. Uh, at the end of the Sanctum of Domination, he gets the final key that he's been looking for because we've basically been helping him. <laughs> we've done a lot of stuff that's not the greatest, and we've made it a little bit easy for him to collect all the keys that he needs. So he gets the final key. He has all the powers that he needs. Uh, and then he lets everybody live because, of course, you're not a true villain unless you let all of your enemies live, even though you can, like, Thanos snap them away. And then he kind of goes, ha, you will all serve. And then Sylvanas is like, what? Like, I've been fighting for free will. And then you actually want everyone to serve you? That's not okay. And she, like, he's literally 40 times her size. And she thinks, even though she's infused with powers given to her by him, that somehow <laughs> a single arrow from her bow is going to do anything. So she turns on him and shoots him with an arrow that he just catches and makes disappear in his hand. And then he's like, well, and then the, like, the big story moment is he restores her soul and then like zips off through a portal and says, I'm going to leave you to the mercy of all the people you screwed over. Ha 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 ha. So she doesn't die. She basically like, cause she was killed by Frostmourne, which was mm. Arthas' sword, which we've been learning over the last, like, well, over the first part of Shadowlands, really, that basically uh, Arthas's weapon splits your soul in half. And so anyone who dies to Frostmourne only has half their soul. So she has her whole soul back, which is basically like her Ranger General self. Um, and but which a lot of people are ticked off about because then they're just like, well, you're basically just like hand waving away all the bad stuff she did saying that, oh, she didn't have her soul. It wasn't really Sylvanas. It doesn't count. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of people ticked off because a lot of people just wanted to straight up kill her. They were tired of, of her being in the game like she wasn't well written. She was made a lot of terrible decisions and mistakes and things were never really fully explained. And yeah, now she's still there. Like, and is she, uh, has she turned back to, I think she's, she's a, a high elf, right? Is that what you? Yeah. So she's still forsaken. Like she's still oh, dead. She died. Oh, okay. So um, she's still dead. Yeah. She, yeah. Arthas killed her. <laughs> her body is rotting, <laughs> but, um, but her soul yeah, is no longer now, rotting. <laughs> now. Yeah. So there's, there's lots and lots of people who are forsaken, who died during the scourge, who were brought back to serve. But the only people who had their souls split in half are those that died from the Mornblade, from Frostmourne. Um, that's the whole thing. So if you were lucky enough to get stabbed by Arthas himself, which some of our major lore characters were, then you have basically two half souls. And yeah. What? They haven't necessarily said that like it splits your soul in half and like half is good and half is bad. But we saw Uther do a lot of bad things. So maybe it is a good, bad soul split thing. And it likes Frostmourne steals away the good in you. I don't know. That seems to be what they're leaning towards. And a lot of people are not happy with that um, story choice. <laughs> I, I mean, as someone who skipped Shadowlands, um, 
I, I probably wouldn't normally, I normally don't come back for the patches. I, I just do the expansion, spend yeah. way too much money to uh, to play for the first <laughs> month. I usually Which do three months. It's really interesting because I know you're interested in the story and the, like any, any point oh patch, like any, any questing story is always the, um like just the beginning. And if you only ever play the questing experience of Warcraft, you must be so lost. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> every yes. single time you step into the game, you're like, wait, who's the bad guy now? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like people who play actively are also like, lo- like to me, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to um, put this all in the notes. So if folks want to skip the, the spoiler discussion, because I I do find discussing the story really interesting because I always feel like Blizzard um never really figured out how to tell long form stories you know uh i think i think they really nail sort of that short form story of like so the initial push of an expansion where it is mm-hmm. a a condensed story told over tens of hours i feel like they're really good at like almost like setting the stage and mm-hmm. creating a universe but then when it comes to like trying to tie those things together sometimes they falter and it's really really interesting because we just had this exact same discussion on tack this week about the difference between the hearthstone expansions like how good they are when they just are self-contained like the frozen throne expansion where basically they just ask the question what if Arthas won and everybody died? Like, and then we got all of the death knights of like Jaina, Thrall, like all of those kind of characters and stuff. And it was an awesome expansion versus like when they tried to tell a story over an entire year and they did that um, a couple years ago and they're doing it again this year where like all three of the card expansions are all like linked together with a story and they're kind of meh. Like I the the self-contained standalone one card set expansion themes and stories where they're just kind of like off the wall and crazy have been a lot better received than these kind of longer meandering stories. And it's so funny that we're now having the exact same conversation about wow, because I agree, like the questing experience and like the stories that they were telling in the zones and even the side quests in the zones and Shadowlands were really interesting and did a good job of like explaining like the realm of death and what this means for the wider like Warcraft universe. Like they were well written and very interesting. And I liked the main storyline that was like carrying your character through as the mall walker and the only one who was able like escape this area of the afterlife that previously like if you were sent to the maw there was no escape like that was the big thing um and you're able to come and go from that area and everyone's like oh my god you're the maw walker you've been you know like foretold over eons like that sort of thing and they did a good job of telling that story and evolving that story and introducing you to the zones and then it kind of like yeah that then people start to have a lot of problems with it because of overarching, big, long, multi-expansion stories, which I think is always a risk, right? Like, if you're going to try to tell a story over five or six years, that better be a damn good story, and you better do a good job of it, because if you don't, (laughs) then that's a really long time that people have been invested in your story for you to let them down. Yeah, well, especially when you're dealing with characters that have been around since the beginning of World of Warcraft and have a history 
before World of Warcraft. I, I think like that was well, yeah. Sylvanas has been in since bef- like since original Warcraft, right? Since the RTS, like yeah. Same with Tyrande, same with Malfurion. Like a lot of these characters are characters that would thrall. They're ones that we've been with since the RTS, like since before World of Warcraft was even a thing. So there's a lot of history there that isn't necessarily being like, I think they have a lot of good ideas. Like the idea that the Mornblades steal a part of your soul and you're no longer whole afterwards. That's a really interesting idea, but using it as a mechanism to forgive someone or to at least give someone an excuse for all the terrible things that they've done. Like that's not as that's not a good use of a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so with, uh, with Sylvanas, like, does she show remorse before they cut to black and say, stay tuned to 9.2? Like, no. Okay. So she Well, it's basically like he he's like uh I'm going to give you ba- as a reward for your service, like I'll forgive your your um indiscretion or whatever. Basically, I'll forgive you for shooting me with an arrow. I'm going to return something to you that you lost. And then there's this like wispy blue like light that comes and then her eyes glow blue again, which are her high elven eyes, right? So huh. Yeah, and then she just kind of like faints. So yeah okay i think she i think she says something what did she say oh i can't remember what she said i think she might have said something i'm good again yay all right (laughs) now let's hold a trial and then i'll escape and we'll do another expansion (laughs) yeah i may or may not create an alternate universe (laughs) oh gosh yeah she totally would if anyone's going to travel back in time and create a parallel universe it's uh it's gonna be it's wow so honest. yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> um yeah no that's uh it's it's really interesting i i think that i i will continue to watch wow from afar i think my days of like jumping back in are, are kind of done until they shake up sort of the way you access the game i think that requiring a subscription um i'm fine paying for expansions that makes sense but like they need some hybrid model for subscriptions because like 20 bucks a month is a lot for me to yeah. basically I have to drop. I know it doesn't really compute, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, OK, I I can't play any other game this month because I'm subbed to WoW, you know? Yeah. And that's just which the isn't way a great works. feeling. No, that's why and I the don't subscription play. model. Yeah, the subscription model in general is quite outdated at this point. So yeah, especially when like they've started to introduce a lot of systems that seem to be geared towards making you play every day as opposed to making the game really fun and engaging and making you want to play every day and making you want to like level up a whole bunch of different characters to experience that same game in a bunch of different ways with a bunch of different powers like it seems like they've gone away from super fun core gameplay and more towards like, well, if you're going to be a high end raider, you need to log in every day because you need to do your like Corthia dailies and you need to go do your Torghast runs and you need to go like make sure that you've done all your covenant renown quests and you need to make sure that you're grinding soul 10 different kinds of soul things like, you know, it's very um it's very, very grindy with not a lot of payoff. And I'm really feeling like at this point, I'm playing the game for 12 to 15 hours in order to do the thing that is really fun for me, which is raiding with my friends. 
So it's like I played 12 to 15 hours to be able to play the four hours I really want to play. So I don't know. I just they've I, it's almost like they're trying to justify a subscription by saying, but you have to play 20 hours a week. So it's such a deal. It's like, yeah, but I want to want to play 20 hours a week. So it's such a deal. You know, like it's just it's just two different kind of dev paths. And I feel like right now they might be on the wrong one. And I don't want to be too down on WoW. And I don't want to make gamers in all about WoW because I know like not everybody that is listening to the sound of my voice is a WoW player. And they're probably like, oh, my God, WoW again. I know. I know. I know. I'm going to get away from my games as a service. I promise. But <laughs> this is a new patch. It deserves discussion. <laughs> no, I, I, I convinced you to talk about it. I think you it's... did. I was not going to talk about this. You guys, I this is this is all Ryan's fault. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take the blame here. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be too down on it. But like, I do want to. I guess, inform people who are maybe thinking about, hey, there's new content, like what's going on in WoW, like where's Shadowlands, what's going on with Sylvanas? Like those are all, I think, important questions for people who maybe aren't as engaged with World of Warcraft or even engaged at all. Like it's still a massive game, right? So Mm. I think that there's probably some people who are interested in it and so it's almost like i'm just i feel like every time there's a major patch i just come back and give you a little review and tell you if it's good if to jump back into or not and right now guys to be completely honest it's not um it's really not so yeah unless you're again unless you are playing every day on a raid team but if you're just like ryan casual like the story just youtube it (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'll have it's to not because worth the money <laughs> that uh that story conclusion sounds interesting um well it, and it's yeah. not like it's so it's not like a conclusion conclusion like right. and we're not sure how many patches are going to be in shadowlands we're sure that there's definitely going to be a 9.2 but we don't know if it's going to go any further than that or if like the next patch after 9.2 is just going to be a new expansion because 9.1 took so long this is looking like it might just be a two patch expansion um, but basically it's like they, the jailer left Sylvanas at the mercy of basically, uh, I don't think Tyrande was there, but like Jaina, Thrall, Bolvar, like basically the heads of the Alliance and the Horde and Bolvar representing kind of a neutral, like just anti-jailer faction. Um, like, so basically at the hands of everybody, she's wronged, but I mean, like, they didn't execute Garrosh. They never execute anybody. They're not going to well, execute Sylvanas. So they'll have a trial and they'll write a novel about it. There already is. So there is a Sylvanas novel coming out. Right. Uh, in February. It was supposed to be November, but it got pushed back to next year. Just like all of the content. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's it did get uh, pushed back. And I feel like it's now a, a February release date. But the fact that they even gave Sylvanas a book I was like, well, I'm pretty sure that means they're not going to kill her because <laughs> like I'll just be interested to see if they use the book as like a bridge between like content patches. <laughs> yeah. Which if that's the case, then we might not get 9.2 until like <laughs> April next year. <laughs> oh, gosh. Am I putting things into the Internet that uh, people are like, no, don't say that out loud because now it's going to happen. Yeah, now it's going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that. Um, like, as I was going to say, I, I think that, you know, uh, the way, you know, gamers, uh, people who play WoW, people who love Blizzard games, 
are kind of, uh, from what I've seen from the outside looking in, they accuse them of kind of repeating storylines. And I, I know I don't want to harp on Sylvanas, but like I, I think that was another one of those, hey guys, you're doing it again. And they said, no, oh, yeah. no, this is going to be different. Everybody called Sylvanas Garrosh 2.0. And yeah. yeah, it is shaping up to be that. <laughs> but we'll yeah. see how it goes. But it's been a long time now of we'll see how it goes. And they kind of have yet to prove that they're telling the story differently so i don't think she, oh my god if they give her a trial <laughs> the internet will riot ryan i don't think you understand like I, they will I, burn wow to the ground <laughs> i i really think you know here's the thing i i, I think, think that might actually be like that might be the final straw that might actually be it is if they put sylvanas on trial i think that might be it that that might be the thing that does it <laughs> i i i truly believe that in the next like blizzard has to change wow in in some regards i i think that you know we are maybe you know it'd be easy to say this five years ago and a lot of people would say oh no you're wrong they're the they're the last you know subscription model around that's gonna that can work by locking all their content and and i think that now, when you say that, people are like, yeah, you're probably right. They're probably going to have to have like an ESO plus model where they still make money hand over fist because they're selling pets for like 50 bucks. But like something's got to change because I think that how I used to see subscriptions was, oh, I'm supporting the game so that I keep getting content. So the subscription yeah. not only allows me to play that content, but it allows the developers to make that content. But what I'm gathering from WoW now, especially since the prices have gone up since we started playing WoW, it really feels like that subscription is no longer to fund content. It's no, it's just literally to access whatever they have in the game at the time. Like it doesn't doesn't feel like a a good customer developer relationship, right? Um, whereas if you're subscribed to Netflix, you're getting stuff constantly. I mean, it's different. It's way different, but. That to me is a is a valuable. I'm getting like Hugh Grant speech and love actually vibes at this moment in time. I feel that this has become a bad relationship. <laughs> the only thing I remember from that movie is the guy from Walking Dead who does the sign thing. So that's all I remember. So. That's fair. That's fair. Well, that's been uh, your official wow talk for. <laughs> I guess 20 at this point, probably, probably 2021. Yeah. yeah, probably for the year. This is it. So, uh, Yikes. yeah, <laughs> thanks for sticking with me, guys. And, uh, yeah, we'll have some Skyward Sword talk for you next week and probably some other stuff too. But, uh, if you guys do enjoy the content we produce, even when we talk too much about games we've already been playing or games we've been playing for 10 years, <laughs> do head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash the gamers in. We wanted to say very special thank you to Terry for being our patron of the month this month. Thank you so much for going again to patreon.com slash the gamers in and supporting the show. Uh, that brings us to the news section this week. Ryan, what have we got going on? Well, uh, this is pretty uh, breaking news. This has been rumbling for a little bit, but uh, Netflix has hired some uh, ex-EA and Facebook executive uh, to lead game development. So there's talk that Netflix might be introducing video games to their subscription service. Um, no details on what that means, whether it means they're going to do more stuff like they did with the... Uh, um, black mirror uh sort of choose your own adventure yeah bandersnatch um uh or you know they did a couple of telltale projects as well but it's kind of interesting 
to note that they're actually making hires to to look at developing further content. I mean, a lot of people are jumping jumping to conclusions and saying, "Oh man, they're going to launch a a game streaming like X Cloud thing." And and I and I mean, I don't I don't think Netflix <laughs> I don't think Netflix is uh, stupid enough to try to like launch that kind of service. I I really think this is they're going to build out experiences within the Netflix tech that makes sense for them as opposed to being like we're going to be the next X Cloud Stadia Luna service, right? Uh, I just I don't know. I could be completely wrong. A lot of people are 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 saying like no, this is probably going to be sort of a big push into video games and and that's certainly been in the news as well, but to me it just seems like Netflix has been sort of a smarter company than that. I don't know. I could be just giving them way too much credit, to be honest. I, I, I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like when I when I look at this, like it kind of depends on if you think Netflix is going to focus on the streaming side of the business or if they're going to focus on just the kind of more the idea of their business, which is basically taking a section of entertainment maintaining a library and giving you access to that library for a set fee every month. So are they looking into the rental side of things or the streaming side of things? Because Netflix is kind of the marriage of those two ideas, right? True. So if you're looking at it from a rental side of things, then my brain goes more towards like a game pass kind of an idea where they might just be looking to, you know, like flex their name a bit and say, hey, maybe we can be the next Game Pass. Like maybe we can create some competition in that space and, you know, like bring a whole bunch of games together. Like it depends on whether you think that they're going to actually like develop and offer you stuff streaming or if you think that they're just going to kind of like aggregate and then, you know, do it that way, which I think like their core business is aggregating entertainment and then providing Mm -hmm. it to you. Right. So um, I think there's a couple of different avenues they could potentially take. But I also think most companies are going to try and do the thing that's going to make them the most money with the least amount of effort. Right. Which to me leans more towards creating experiences like Bandersnatch, where it is a like... They're already making a lot of, um, like, uh, not individual content. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's all their own stuff. Like original content? like Original. Yeah. Oh, my God. Original content. Yeah, they're making a lot of original content, right? So you know that they have the ability to, like, internally shoot video. Yes. Right? Which then it's very easy to shoot an original video and then add some choose your own adventure elements to it to make it a quote unquote game. And so that's why I think that this is what they're probably going to (laughs) do. Like is they're they're hiring these kind of people in order to best gamify video would Mm be my would be my gut reaction to this. Like maybe they used Bandersnatch and I think they did a couple of others as kind of like a proof of concept and they're looking for ways to like push that tech forward be like okay choose your own adventure was cool can we do anything else like can we uh make it a little bit more like uh those other couple of games that we played um there was the one of the girl in the interview room at the cop station 
that yeah. you played was that uh her story her story that yep. that, her story and then the the follow-up by the same people that i played telling uh lies. telling lies telling lies yeah so like that kind of content where you know you have simplified controls but video is still the core and you're trying to like put together a puzzle you know so there's a couple of different like ways that video has been explored as part of a gaming experience and i think that's the way netflix is probably going to go they have the infrastructure there to host video to serve video to clients and to create their own concepts so now i think they are the piece that they're missing is a way to take that choose your own adventure video and make it into more of a gaming experience so that's where my again like least effort most money <laughs> and and they might make that even a like spin-off like its own subscription just because it's probably going to need some like interface and control changes there might need to be some sort of like controller support like whether that's you know an xbox controller or whatever um, and the only reason I say Xbox controller is because I can use my Xbox. Well, I guess I can use my PlayStation controller with my PC as well. Um, but I just feel like because like Xbox is built on Microsoft is built on Windows, like, you know, where I can watch my Netflix, like it seems like that would be an easy flow of tech. Maybe I'm totally off base there, but um, there might need to be some sort of controller support there. Maybe you could do it all with your remote, but what are the limitations of that look like? Like th th those are all the kind of questions that Netflix is going to have to answer if they want to move into the gaming space somehow. But yeah, I think they're always going to be video first because that involves the least amount of capital investment from them. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, when you look at what Netflix has done, and I think we can give them credit because they have built and continue to build upon having the most popular uh, video streaming, you know, service out there, you know, only, you know, only to be rivaled by, I'd say, recently Disney Plus, like it's kind of, you know, come out swinging, but that's, that's Disney. Well, money. yeah, I feel it. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's not only Disney money, but Disney has the kids content, right? Yeah. Yes. So as soon as you get the kids content and it's all the like name brand kids content, parents are going to throw money at you just to shut their kids up. <laughs> yeah. Or potty Disney. train or, you know, <laughs> yeah. we literally used Frozen and Frozen 2 to potty train uh, Abigail and it, it worked. Both available on Disney Plus. <laughs> exactly. Oh, very true. Point proven. <laughs> yeah. And like, then I get to watch yeah. Loki uh, at, at night after. As a but, but see, like Loki is a bonus. It is like, a bonus. Like yeah. I may not be a parent, but I understand parent brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is the thing. I think that you're right. I think Netflix is going to focus on. I think they'll focus more on their original content when it comes to this game service, but I wouldn't discount, as you said, like them sourcing other, you know, other games, you know, building, but, you know, building out. Or even sort of, using existing relationships they have, yeah. like with The Witcher, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like stuff like that would be really interesting to see. But I I think you're right. You're, you, you've nailed it on the head with, you know, Path of Least Resistance here. I don't think they're going to you know, build something so complex that it requires, you know, a specific controller like Netflix has really not moved away from their service being available on 
all platforms, you know? Yeah. You yeah. know it's going to work. another consideration for sure. Yeah. And I think when you start to introduce, well, this experience only works on this level of iPad, this level of Xbox, and these types of TVs. Like, I don't think Netflix has done that and probably has no interest in going down that path at least right away, like, uh, right. So again, then you need to think about it in a simplified control in a realm of simplified controls, which means again, we're moving further and further away from what like you and I would consider a more traditional gaming experience. Right. So, Oh, I don't think this is for us. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, th- th- this, I-, I think these games that they're going to build out are, you know, like Bandersnatch going to be fun experiences that, we you know check out and we'll you know we can talk about i feel like we shouldn't even call them video games i feel like we should call them gamified experiences yeah i think that's a better way of putting it i mean you know it's it's still a game of type but you're right like it's not a traditional you know um it's so hard to say but yeah it's almost like a new genre right like yeah it's an experience and that there's nothing yeah. wrong with that it's a video video game <laughs> yeah it's a it's a full motion video like i would still consider like her story and telling lies to be a video game because you're building out it's a puzzle you're 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 interacting yeah. in more than just you know watching a linear film and then making a decision you know so uh, but i never played the minecraft stuff i don't know how linear it was whether you could Sort of, yeah, I never I didn't even know there was Minecraft stuff. Honestly. Yeah, they they adapted the Minecraft Telltale game over to Netflix. I think that would probably be an interesting thing to look at. But but as of right now, it's it's a it's a hire They're You know, they're building out their game development side. Um, we could probably see, you know, some results from this in a couple of years. I don't think it's going to be next year. I think we're, we're a few years away. If they're just hiring their executive now, then, yeah, we're still a few years out. Yeah. But you're right. Like Witcher is a perfect example. Like you even saw it. I think last week they had WitcherCon, which was like Netflix and CD Projekt Red talking about the Witcher property. So Netflix is definitely interested in doing more video game stuff and building out their video game side makes sense when they are, you know, crafting, you know, Castlevania and a bunch of Ubisoft projects. And there's just, there's so many properties that you can look to, to build and, um, and I think Netflix, it only makes sense for them to try to build like a video game side to their movie stuff as well and just go full circle. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think it's going to be something that we you know look forward to as oh, the next big release from Netflix. But we could be wrong. They could be building, they could go the other way and be building products for the Xbox, Switch and PlayStation that is, you know, a companion piece to their original content. Like you could play a well this was in development a stranger things sort of adventure game it got canceled because Mm -hmm. telltale went away but you could see that side of it as well like go both ways well like ryan said we'll we'll probably know something soon or hopefully but uh, don't expect to see it for a couple of years but i think that's going to do it for us tonight if you guys want to continue the conversation you can head on over to bit.ly slash tgi discord you can follow us on twitter you can find me jocelyn and joss plays ryan is at our murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers inn Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.